Hey listeners, it's Ryan from the Big Ed Idea Podcast. So I'm curious, are you as excited about these in-person conferences being back as I am? Have you heard about the 2022 Teach Better Conference this October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio? I definitely love my Teach Better family, so I am super excited to share a pretty cool opportunity for you to save $50 on tickets. Head over to www teachbetterconference.com forward slash register and use the code IDEA2022. Who knows? Maybe I will see you there. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, hello, my Big Ed Idea Podcast listeners. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome back. It's so good to have you again. Um, We are super excited about this episode. I have been waiting for this one. Um, This young lady, everything that I have read from her or or seen from her is just super positive, which is the world that I I prefer to live in. And so I'm super excited that we are here today. Um, Episode 2.20 with my uh, Southern Illinois friend, Miss... Lindsay Jensen. Um, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, we much like life, life, we have to be flexible. And so Miss Lindsay and I have, uh, we changed kind of our stuff, which actually it's, it's ended up being a little bit better for us. So I'm, I'm super excited to announce uh, that Miss Lindsay um, is on the Big Eight Idea podcast. And I want you all to know that she's kind of a big deal. Um, no, really, really, Lindsay. No, 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 no. So she was the 2018 Illinois Teacher of the Year. She was the 2020 NEA Foundation for Teaching Excellence Illinois Award. She was a Teach Plus Policy alum, Vice President of Illinois Teachers of the Year. She was recently made Bright Beams Top 21 Rising Women in Ed. She's delivered over one hundred keynotes across the country and her work has been featured in illinois ascd teach plus nea today education post and she recently published in flip the system us how teachers can transform education and save democracy totally agree she is the coordinator for educators rising and the early career development and aspiring ed director for illinois education association Miss Lindsay Jensen, welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here and eager to engage in the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm really excited. Like, you're one of the closer guests that I've had recently. Um, you are in Illinois. You're in, let me get this right, Springfield? 
I am. I'm in Springfield quite a bit. I, I kind of split my time bef- between Dwight, Illinois and Springfield, but I'm in Springfield a lot. That's where my office is. And we do a lot of work at the Capitol and, you know, around legislation. So I'm there and um, trying to move the needle, right? <laughs> as we are, all are. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to ask you before we, we get going. So as, as a guy that wants to change the world, um, and, I, and I think you're a girl that wants to change the world. So Absolutely. how do you stay upbeat when, you know, because working in government is not easy because things move so slow. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep yourself moving forward knowing that things probably aren't going as fast as you would like them to be? Well, Ryan, you are like speaking my language. So you said change the world. I, I've had people, numerous people say to me, the best thing about you is you want to change the world. The worst thing about you is you want to change the world. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Um, And I can definitely relate to, you know, the world of bureaucracy moving at a glacial pace. Um, I can relate to all of that. I think what keeps me hopeful is just, you know, I'm not so far removed from the classroom. I've been out of my classroom for a year um, to work for IEA, and I love the work I'm doing. It was the most difficult decision I've ever had to make, leaving the classroom. Um, And it was kind of something I swore I would never do. Um, but when I, 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 I learned that in order to make the kind of change in the world that I want to see, um, and to do so without pushback, I was going to have to leave the classroom to be an advocate for education. And so, but what keeps me hopeful and keeps me going are my students. And, um, even though I've been removed from the classroom for just over a year now, um, you know, I, I look at my students who have chosen education as a profession. Um, I've had some really cool full circle moments as a speaker where I get invited to a district or some, you know, conference and um, I'm, I'm like keynoting something. And then I look out in the crowd and I see a former student who has to- chosen to devote their life yes, to kids. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, you know, there were people who came before me who worked and challenged systems to try to make the systems better for, um, you know, the educators that came after them and the students that came after them. And so I, I when I think about, I'm not like this self-indulgent person that sits around thinking about my legacy, but when, I want to look back and say, I made the, I made the landscape better for educators and students. And there's no separation there for me. Educator, um, educator environments, work environments, those are our students learning environments. And so I want to be somebody who positively impacts that and makes a change so that um, our educators, but most importantly, our students have better experiences and more equitable experiences. So that's what I'm, that's kind of my mission in life. I love that. I love that. So the next time where, um, you know, things aren't moving as fast as Ryan Scott would like them to be, I'm going to call you <laughs> and up. Lindsay Jensen, yes. yeah, yeah. I'm going to call you up and say, Lindsay, I need some of that. I need some of that uh, positivity girl. And, and, yeah. and I imagine you would be, you would be happy to indulge me. You know, we got to be hopeful. We have to be hopeful. We do. And there are a million reasons not to be hopeful, but, um, I think that that's kind of crucial to this work. And, um, I don't know. I just try to stay hopeful and one foot in front of the other eyes up, chin, chin forward, eyes up, chin forward. Right. That's right. That's right. Chin up, eyes forward is what I meant. (laughs) Chin Chin up, up, eyes forward. forward. You got it. You got it. So the first, Either way. no, it's okay. So what we were talking about before I hit that um, record button was that, you know, I try to really, really, really try to let the folks out there um, hear what connections before content, just because 
it's something that, that, that I truly believe in. And so I really want to get to know who Lindsay is first and, um, and we know definitely you're a servant, but we want to know a little bit about who, who Lindsay is outside of the education space. Um, which I know you're a lot like me. Sometimes it's hard to separate the two. Um, so my first one, first segment is called what's up at the Scott house. And so I have got three words that describe what my life is right now. Number one, church camp. Number two, mind map. And the third one is SpongeBob. Okay. And so (laughs) church camp. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. So church camp, uh, me and three of my daughters, my 19, 10 and six year old just got back from lovely Santa Claus, Indiana, um, where, yeah, you know where that is too. I love Santa Claus, holiday world, Santa I, Claus, Lake, Indiana. That's exactly right. The greatest place on earth. <laughs> so that's where I grew up. Um, but there yeah. is a church camp there that I've been going to for 25 years. And so now I've been able to start sharing that uh, tradition with my own kids. And so we were there all last week, which is phenomenal. Um, my second one, mind map. So I was on my thinking spot, um, which is my mower. Cause it takes me about four and a half hours. It is about four and a half hours to mow my yard. And so there's nothing better than putting my headphones on, listening to podcasts and just thinking um, something about the hum of the engine just brings it out. So I started to think about all of the, the vision that I've got for this new school that I'm leading. And so I went back in the house and for the next hour and a half, I just drew up a mind map, everything that came out of my mind. Um, and I was able today, I turned it into a, a Google slide presentation and I was able to present it to all of my community partners um, just because this is where we're going. I want my staff to know this is where we're going. Um, I don't want you to be blindsided. This is where I want to be in five to 10 years, you know. Um, and then my third word is SpongeBob because the Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation just put on a their summer musical, which was SpongeBob the musical. And I got to take my daughters and it was freaking awesome. I so, love, I mean, it's part of the canon, right? Like, that's exactly right. I love it. I love it. So what are it. your three words? So I think my three words would be, and I know you sent this, you sent me this question in advance and I did not do my homework. So I'm going to think off the cuff. Um, it would be music, puppies, yes. and writing. Ooh. So I really tried to take time for myself in the summer to, you know, do, do the things that bring me joy. Yeah. Um, and I am a, you know, educator by day, musician by night. I didn't been, know I, that. I, just, I am. I just got two. I've actually, I have a little bit of a problem. <laughs> um, I love collecting ukuleles and, um, in the past week, I'm not going to divulge how much of my savings I spent on two different ukuleles this week, but I got this really cool baritone ukulele that sounds a lot like an acoustic guitar and it's so cool. And then I swore I wasn't going to buy any more ukuleles for the summer. And I came across in Springfield, Illinois, this, um, it's a baby blue, it's a Jaguar, a Fender ukulele with a and, a and a tuner in it. And I was like, okay, well, I have to have this. <laughs> so um, I've been playing a lot of music, a lot of ukulele, a lot of singing, lots of fun stuff. I'm just a musician at heart. My family's all musicians. And so that's something that is really relaxing for me that brings me joy. And so I've been doing a lot of that. I collect. Uh, I also, go, yeah, go ahead. So I collect banjos. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Cause I, I, tw- I fiddle with the banjos. Um, I actually, love it. 
yeah, my papa, uh, when he passed away, left a banjo to my dad. And my dad just oh, gave it to me. That was made in 1892 or something. Wow. Yeah, very cool. So, yes, music very is all cool. about me. Well, so, so you know, the ukulele. Um, been been buying. I've, I've bought too many. But I regret nothing. <laughs> Um, I also, uh, my puppies, I am, I love my puppies. I have three rescue pups and Leo, the poodle, Zoe, the labradoodle and Perry, the, we don't really know all that Perry the platypus. is, Perry, the platypus. That's it. <laughs> and they bring me great joy and are great to snuggle on when I've had a stressful day. And yeah. so I've been spending lots of quality time with them for sure. And, uh, finally writing. I, um, I'm working on two different projects right now. And, um, and they're not like projects that are, that feel, I don't have a deadline. I'm kind of giving myself grace. I'm writing when I feel, you know, moved to write and inspired to write. And when I don't, I don't, but, um, I like to take some time in the summer to kind of reimagine, you know, what are the things I want to work on and what, what do I want to write? What do I want to produce in terms of writing and I've got two things I'm really excited about that aren't ready to share yet but I, you know I'm just kind of it's very cathartic if yeah, nothing yeah. else comes of it so um and writing so those are three things that bring me joy during the summer and kind of help me reset for the upcoming school year because as you know you know there's lots of work to be done so we got to take advantage of this time to do the things that bring us joy that's exactly right you said it exactly right find those things that brings us joy so um i'm hoping this next section we will have a chance to laugh so um <laughs> yeah i've got two getting to know you questions my first one what would be your perfect day Oh, oh, my perfect day. Probably involves a ukulele. Definitely. So I am an early riser, <laughs> yeah. which most doesn't make sense to most people. I really like getting up around 530 and having mm -hmm. a really good cup of coffee. Um, I like to have a good cup of coffee and like a good read, something that really in. makes me think, yeah, that kind of, um, kind of sets the intention for my yeah. day. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I'm an early riser. Um, prop, definitely going to play some ukulele, um, <laughs> do some singing, playing the uke. I'm going to snuggle those puppies. Sure. Obviously, right. Sure. I think too. Um, I love. You know, usually my work, my my day includes a bit of work, and um, I would probably meet one of my the aspiring educators I work with for lunch and kind of talk about their career that's coming up and their transition from teacher prep into the classroom. That sounds kind of like a work answer, but truly I love, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love being a listening ear to the aspiring educators I work with and easing their apprehension about entering the profession and just getting to really develop those relationships with them. They're incredible. They give me such, people ask all the time how I'm so optimistic about education and the state of things. And it is truly because I work with the next generation of our profession and they when I say our profession is in amazing hands, I mean it. Um, so probably would have lunch with one of them, kind of talk through any of their apprehension, um, would maybe get home, um, watch. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I know that would probably be in a lot of people's. I'm not a big TV watcher. Yeah, sure. um, I think I would probably do something outside that brings me joy, go for a walk, take the dogs for a walk. Climb a tree. Um, and, you know, and I'll just be candid. My night's going to end with a really good meal, some kind of a 
you know, I don't know, a nice little protein and some veggies and a good glass of wine. Amen, <laughs> sister. I love a good glass a good of wine. Red. Day, a good dry, bold red. Yeah. Um, and I'd probably end the day with reading too, because I always try to do reading and writing every day. I think it's good. So it sounds um, like an excellent early name. bedtime and rinse, wash, repeat. That's right. You know? <laughs> no, that's, that's an excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, <clears throat> something you said really resonates with me. I uh, start, I try to start all of my days with a really good workout that kind of sets my tone for the day. So I totally get that. Mm. Um, I'm a I probably guy. should have said that. That's what a, that's what a, a smart, a good guest would have said. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm too candid and honest. And we don't want you lying. <laughs> okay. So, well, yeah. So your second question something okay. that i would never guess about you ooh um i would say well i'm pretty fearless i'm a thrill seeker um okay. i've done some pretty cool dangerous things but one of the things that i was actually uh, afraid to do that i did and because like i said i don't get afraid very often um I had a student who I've held a Python. Yeah. So I had a student who was pretty unmotivated um, and I was just trying to find, you know, ways to connect. And I had shared with my class that I was terrified of snakes, that I'm pretty fearless. I've done a lot of really, a lot of things most people haven't done. Cause I, like I said, I'm pretty fearless. Um, but then I told him, I, I said, you know, I have this fear of snakes. I really just can't get over. And I really want to get over it someday. And this student, his hand shot up and he said, I can help you get over your fear of snakes. Uh-oh. I have this pet python at home. Her name is Ekans, which by the way, is snake spelled backwards. Yeah, Very yeah. clever. Um, and so I kind of, I kept him after class. I said, I'll tell you what, if you, I'm not going to give it to you, you're going to earn it. But if you pass my class, I will yeah. let you bring in Ekans and I, I will hold Ekans and you know, and uh, so it motivated him and um, he passed and we brought in Ekans on the last day and there are pictures floating around on the internet of me holding this python and it was a really cool That's experience. That's really cool. So I've held a python. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. My first four years in the classroom, I taught fourth grade and I had a, a ball python and his name was Monty Python. Love and, it. Um, very yeah. clever. Very original. Yeah. Yeah. And I would teach with him on my arm. Um, set them on the kids' desks. We would feed them live mice. Um, and I'd walk into the Requiem March and we'd drop the live mouse in. The kids loved it. It was so Oh my cool. gosh, I can't even imagine. It was so cool. <laughs> okay, Miss Lindsay, what okay. two do you have for me? Okay, so I'm going to go off of the whole Python thing and uh, with the fear theme. Okay, so I okay. want to know um, what is your biggest fear? So, okay. We're going to go deep. Okay. I'm ready. So something you said about leaving your mark. Mm -hmm. So my biggest fear, honestly, is not leaving a mark. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the coolest things I feel like being an educator is like, we're immortal. Like if we do a really great job, people talk about us long Mm -hmm. after we're gone. And, um, you know, you just, I'm reading um, a book right now uh, by Jennifer Haston. I can't remember. I can't pronounce her last name, but it's called Safe Seen, Safe Seen and Stretched. And to write her book, she went to farmer's markets and just set up a table and asked people about their favorite teacher. And um, 
the way that she describes these people, like one of them was an 80 year old man and Mm -hmm. hadn't been in school for like 70 years, but lit up when they talked about their teacher. And I want to be that person. So my biggest fear is that that doesn't happen. Mm. Okay. My next question And I want to preface that I think it's really important for educators to be vulnerable and share their fears, their frustrations, their failures. For sure. Because I think those moments where we look back on how we reacted in the moment or, you know, did something that in hindsight, we look back on on and go, oh man, I I could have handled that much better. Yeah. I think those are important. And I think it's really important that we share those because we're human and we all have something to learn from those moments. Sure. So my question is... Can you tell me about a time in education and your experience when you got it wrong yeah. and what you learned from that? Yeah. When I got it wrong. Okay. So yeah, to, to date, this was probably the biggest snafu leadership snafu of, of my um, five years now of, 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 uh, being in leadership. So I was a principal and we were having a staff meeting one day and I don't know anybody out there that's listening, but sometimes staff meetings can get very contentious. Mm-hmm. And we started, so we were, I think we were talking about just programming or something and it turned to where I felt like the staff was attacking me mm-hmm. and, and ideas that I had. Mm-hmm. And I really got upset Mm-hmm. And instead of facing it and turning the conversation back around, I said, okay, meeting's over, let's go home. Mm-hmm. And that was not the way to do it. And, and in hindsight, that was not the way to do things. Um, so hopefully that never happens again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it does, I will know how not to react. So if, mm-hmm. if anybody is listening to this um, that was in that staff meeting, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. I know what I did. And what did you learn from that? So what did I learn from that? Um, That leadership is hard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to sit there and take it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not good at not taking things personally. Like Mm -hmm. I'm definitely somebody that struggles from imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So if somebody gives me any reason to doubt that, I run with it. And so Mm -hmm. I've had to learn to be a little more tougher in my skin, even if it just means grinning and bearing it. And then when the meeting's over, going into my office and dropping a couple F-bombs. Sure. And we all have those moments. Sometimes things that feel personal really aren't personal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to share. Well, (laughs) I tell people every time, the biggest lie we tell ourselves is that the person across the room has it all figured out. Nobody's got it all figured out. And if we would all just admit that, man, how much better would this world be? It is so true. It is so true. For you sure. You're so right. <laughs> okay, my girl. So uh, since you know me a little bit more and I know you a little bit more, I'm ready to, let's jump into this meat of, okay. of, of what the, you know, what your big ideas are, uh, where sure. you came from in education. Um, and then we'll end it with how our folks can connect with Miss Lindsay Jensen. Okay. That sounds great. Okay. So I'm a huge, actually my church camp last week was all about, it It was an Avenger, Avenger theme. And so a uh, perfect segue. I am really big into uh, superheroes, the Marvel stuff. And, and so I'm, I'm curious, how did Lindsay 
What is your origin story of how you found education? So I was one of these alternative pathway into education people. I did not get a bachelor's in education. I I went to school. I loved uh, public speaking. I loved writing. And I thought that I wanted to be a speech writer for politicians. That yeah. was truly what I thought I, I wanted to do. That. And how, you know, I, that, I thought that that was how I was going to impact policy and leave my mark on the word on the world would be, you know, someone else speaking my words. And I don't know, I just found that to be really intriguing and interesting and beautiful. Um, and, and then through some cosmic turn of events, um, I graduated a semester early from school and I had like a semester to kill before I uh, would, you know, make my way to Springfield, Illinois. Uh, And I took a job as a teacher's aide in a self-contained behavioral, emotional, you know, BDED classroom, self-contained. My kind of place. Yeah. And I basically fell in love with teaching in an environment that I'm confident would send most people running for the hills. Um, and I learned very quickly that working with kids was a whole hell of a lot more fun than working with politicians, which still rings true. And um, I, 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 I'll never forget, um, I, I could not have been more underprepared for my very first day in education. <laughs> I walked in, I, I walked in um, as an eight, like I, I, I went out and I bought this stupid white Ann Taylor suit that I thought, well, this what? is what, you know, uh, my, which my parents, by the way, footed the bill for, cause I was still a broke college kid. And I'll never forget walking into the classroom the first day. And Mrs. O who was like my guardian angel was at the whiteboard in jeans and a t-shirt. She was obviously the teacher. And, um, I walked in and she turned around and she took one look at me and she went, Oh, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and it was just downhill from That's there. Day one. I didn't know my students. I didn't know their families. I didn't know a lot about the communities that I worked in. I didn't know about their, their interests, the music they listened to, the shows they watched, the movies they liked. And, I, I, you know, I always now it's so ironic. I talk about, you know, the importance of relationships and building those with students and their families. And I truly could not have been more underprepared for my first day. And I, and I'll be honest, it was so hectic and chaotic day one. I went home. I called my dad. I was like, I'm not going back tomorrow. (laughs) And I think about that moment. Like it almost makes me emotional because I think about how different my life would have been. Sure if I had not gone back that second day and I almost didn't, but my dad said to me, he goes, here's the deal. You have committed to this. You are not a quitter. And if you decide, you know, at the end of the semester, that this isn't what you want to do fine, but I didn't raise a quitter and you're going, you're, you go back. That's what you do. That's a great day. Oh my gosh. And so I went back the next day and it was hard. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There were days, weeks, months, but eventually and I get, I get emotional because I think about the students in that class and how patient they were with me and just how, you know, I truly was this, and I hate saying this, but I'm going to be vulnerable and admit it. I was truly somebody who thought teaching kids, like how hard can it be? Right. I, like one of those, like, oh, it's yeah. like glorified babysitting yeah, kind of, yeah. and now, I mean, shame on me. And now I yeah. know so much better. Um, but I, I, I rounded out the semester and I was like, you know what, I want to do another semester of this. And I did, and I finished the school year and I will tell you what it, it, that experience changed, not only the trajectory of my professional life, but my personal life. 
Um, because I suddenly, I mean, anyone who knows me now knows I eat, sleep and breathe education. And it turned me into kind of this young 20 something, you know, young, narcissistic, self-absorbed young woman into like a woman who had a really fierce commitment, um, unapologetically a purpose for education. And, um, and so, and so that was kind of my experience into the profession. And I, I, I got done with the year and I said, I'm going to go get a master's in education. And then eventually I wanted to get a doctorate in teaching and learning. I, um, that was important to me and I, the rest is history. Then I taught for 13. I, so I've been in education for 17 years. Yeah. I taught for 13 years at Dwight Township High School, junior and senior English. So American Lit, um, you know, English 3, English 4, Composition 1 and 2, AP English, Shakespeare, Poetry, Drama, Creative Writing, all the things, all the best things. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was, it's just been the greatest joy of my life and the things that have happened professionally as a result of my decision to devote my life to being an educator I, I've, despite all of the challenges, all of the negative rhetoric, all of the misconceptions about what it is that we do every day in our classrooms as facilitators of tough conversations and not indoctrinators, all of the negativity right now that we are combating to, to this day, I don't, not for one second, do I regret my decision to um, devote my life to being an educator. And it was the greatest decision I ever made. Absolutely. I, Totally, totally, totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, I tried to leave several times, tried to be a police officer several times, and uh, God just didn't let me. Um, and yeah, you're exactly right. I don't know what where I would be. Um, I, I don't think I'd be as, I, I don't want to say as good of a person, because that's not what I mean, but I don't feel like I would be a servant driven. Maybe that's, maybe that's the word. Um, no, I get it. So you've been in education 17 years. So obviously, you know, you've had some, some time to see the system. Um, You've, you've had some time to see what works, what doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would, I would imagine that you would kind of have, have an idea of a problem that you would like to change with a big idea. And so before we jump into your idea, um, what's the problem that you see in education right now? So the problem that I see in education is someone who works with early career and aspiring educators and does a lot of work in my state around educator recruitment is that we do not have, it's a problem that most states have, and that is that our profession is not diverse. Our profession should be as diverse as the communities in which sure. we teach. Sure. And it isn't. Yeah. And I have a plethora of, you know, reason. I have a plethora of ideas about why that is and why 80% of our profession is white women and why, you know, that's problematic. Um, but I ultimately, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas about how to solve that. And, um, and I'm eager to get into that with you. (laughs) Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it because, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, I am in, in a high school setting, um, definitely there's some disproportionality. Um, we've tried, um, to bring on a little bit of, um, diversity. We haven't soup. We haven't been super successful. We're trying. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly, um, excited to hear this to see what I can do at my own school. So, so, so talk to us, what can we do to make our profession more diverse? So, 
first off, I think we, I think the teaching profession, the edu education as a whole, we have to start doing a better job of uh, putting pressure on on uh, legislators to truly invest in education and to truly invest in educator recruitment. Um, and different states have different things happening. My state of Illinois, um, I've done a lot of work around that and um, establishing a, a CTSO, a career and technical student organization, which opens up Perkins funding and grant funding to districts to start developing their own early ed pathways. For the longest time, I have said, why are we not approaching and investing in educator recruitment in the same way as these other successful models, yeah. such as yeah. future farmers of America, future business leaders of America. You know, we need to be, we need to borrow a page out of their book because their recruitment efforts are working. Um, and, and I also want to want to acknowledge that, you know, we can't talk about re recruitment without also talking about retention. And I'm going to sure. focus on recruitment tonight because this yeah. is only, you know, an hour long podcast, but I'm, I want I'll bring to bring you back. Clear. Yeah, I definitely, I'm in no way denying or negating the fact that there is a ton of retention work and talk and policy work that needs to happen so that we can continue to retain teachers and make the profession more marketable, so to speak sure. to young people. But, um, you know, my big idea is, so one, you know, approaching recruitment in the same way as those aforementioned organizations, but also investing in it and, and, and truly providing, you know, and I don't know how it is in every other state, but in my state, in a lot of affluent districts, there was a lot of great grow your own, so to speak, work happening throughout the state, but that was happening in affluent dist sure. districts, right? They had the funds. Exactly. And my whole case, my big, my big labor of love for the past four years was saying, let's let's invest some state funding. Let's do a trial run. And we were successful this legislative session, but I said, let's do a trial run. I want to purchase a state license to some early ed pathway curriculum so that every school district in the state, no matter what their financial circumstances are or where they're located, I want every district in the state to have access to high quality intro to education, early ed pathway course curriculum so that they can start implementing elective courses at the middle school and even the high school level. Uh, so mainly the high school, but you know, even the middle school um, and really start thinking about how do we recruit the next generation of our profession? And I think oftentimes what I've learned is in a lot of these big policy meetings and stakeholder meetings around educator recruitment, there are a lot of different people who have very different ideas about what that should look like. Yeah, right. I have heard from, I've heard from very desperate, well-intended superintendents uh, that they are they are looking for warm bodies in classrooms, mm -hmm. which is obviously problematic. Mm -hmm. I've also heard from you know higher ed who says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We cannot compromise the integrity of teacher preparation to solve this problem," which obviously also makes sense. But what I what I find is that oftentimes the people being left out of those conversations are educators themselves. And truly, when we think about marketing our profession, teachers are the most uniquely positioned. Teachers who still share the joy and have sure. a love for teaching despite all of the negative rhetoric, they are the most uniquely positioned to market our profession to students and to say, have you ever thought about teaching? Or have you ever thought about education? And so I, I, I want to be clear, I'm in no way intending to ignore all of the retention issues, which are real and valid. But from a recruitment standpoint, we need to do a better job of recruiting from within all communities. 
And so when it comes to diversifying our profession, we need to ensure that every school district has what they need to identify those teachers who are still on fire for teacher, provide them with the resources they need and the training they need to recruit the next generation of our profession. And not because it's their responsibility. I take issue with this whole teacher martyr, we're responsible for all society's ailments. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's their problem to solve, but I'm saying there are teachers who are just, they just light up doing this work. And I know that because I work with many of them throughout the state. And when you recognize an incredible educator and say, I want you to grow 20 of you, yeah, right? Man. That's really empowering. And I think we need to do a better job of recognizing great teaching that's happening and capitalizing on those educators to share the joy of our profession and to, and to, and to, and to market it and really recruit the next generation of our profession. And if we are investing in all communities, not just the affluent white districts, and we are capitalizing on, you know, the incredible teachers we have throughout the state to really recruit the next generation. I think that's how we start to kind of develop this community, grow your own model everywhere so that eventually, hopefully the prof our profession reflects the diversity of the communities in which we teach. Because let's be real, it is a problem <laughs> that you know, I didn't have an educator of color until I was a sophomore in high school. And that's something we often talk about how, well, it's a problem that students of color don't choose education because they don't see people who look like them leading classrooms. So that's absolutely a problem. Sure. But something else I think we forget is it's a real problem that we have white, we've st white students who will go their entire educational careers and never have an educator of color and experience. And you're one of them, Ryan. Yes. Even with two masters. And, 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 and that to me is unfathomable and unconscionable and we yep. like un, unconscionable and we yeah. need to, we, we, there's a ton of research around, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, anti-racism and what it does when a white student has an educator of color leading a classroom. So, yeah. um, you know, this is a really nuanced conversation. And ultimately, I think we have to start doing a better job of providing the resources to all communities within each state so that they have everything they need to develop those early ed pathways. And that's how we recruit from within all communities. And hopefully for the, <laughs> hopefully for the love of God, <laughs> like we, we diversify the profession. No, I completely agree. Um, definitely here in Indiana or Kentucky and in Indiana, uh, school funding is just a, it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't yeah. know in Illinois, if it's, if it's based off of property taxes, like it is here, but um, definitely in inequity, inequality, all of that spurring from that funding issue. And, and so I completely, completely agree with that um, about providing the same resources to everybody. Um, but I'll say also that I love your idea. So let's find one great educator that's on fire for education. Okay, I want you to find five more of you. Right. And I want to be clear too. I'm, I'm not saying, I think oftentimes when we do this work, um, you know, we'll, we'll find this incredible educator of color and then they're exploited. Sure. Right. Sure. We say you're doing this work so you can lead this work. And then we don't compensate them. Sure. That happens in so many facets of education. And that's yeah. not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, you know, we need to just look for great teachers to, to share, share their joy and their love for the profession at a time when, 
we need to be combating all of this negative rhetoric and all of this polarization. I mean, there are a lot of students who go, I don't want to get into that profession. Yeah. It's politicized and polarized and, yeah. and, you know, I'm going to be vilified and accused of indoctrinating. I, 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 despite all of it, there are amazing educators doing incredible work and we need to recognize their work and, 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 and capitalize on that and, 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 them in the recruitment process Absolutely. and provide them with a seat at the table to give feedback about recruitment efforts. For sure. For sure. So if you are listening to, to this, um, and if you know of, uh, of an educator, that's just on fire for education. Like, um, there was a book I read many, many years ago, teach like your hair is on fire. Um, if you know, one of those guys or gals that's out there tomorrow, I want you to walk into your school building. I want you to walk up to that person. I want you to tell them how amazing they are. And I want you to look them in the eye and I say, can you find us three more of you? And, um, if they need some help doing that, have them call Miss Lindsay Jensen, look her up. Um, she is all over social media. Um, and, and in saying that Lindsay, I know, um, I want to honor your time. Um, I know you have another um, party that you need to go to um, or whatever. Um, so I want to make sure that the folks that are listening to the Big Ed Idea uh, podcast know how to get a hold of you, know how to where to follow you, uh, maybe where they can find you next because um, you're all over the place. Um, so talk to us about how folks can find you in the edgesphere. Sure. So I am, you know, on the archaic Facebook <laughs> under just Lindsay, Lindsay Jensen, Lindsay with an E, Jensen two E's. Um, I am on Insta, you know, um, Iltoy 2018. My email is Illinois Teacher of the Year at gmail.com. Um, and I have a lot of ideas and resources I'm eager to share. And so if you're interested in learning more about educator recruitment and diversifying the profession, um, eager to have those conversations and to connect. Absolutely. I love what you're doing in Illinois. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we need more of you. Um, if you know somebody like you over here in Kentucky or Indiana, please hook us up. I would love to have them um, on the Big Ed idea, but I'd love to just talk to them um, because it, it's nice to have people that are advocating for our profession because like you said, there's a lot of folks that are on the other side um so yeah we need good pr so i appreciate Definitely. you Lindsay. i appreciate you ryan yes ma'am thanks for all you do you for, for no thank you for all that you're doing to elevate educator voices we need more of that and you're doing great work to do just that so we are grateful for you thank you my friend all right so to my big ed idea listeners once again i want to tell you thank you very much from the bottom of my heart all the way down to the tips of my toes for taking the time to spend it with me and spend it with Lindsay. Um, nobody could lie and say that, you know, time is finite. Um, we all are always going from one place to the next. And so for you to spend your time with us means a great deal to us. So I, I appreciate that. If you are listening to this and if you think you have a big idea that you'd love to come on the show, please reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, it's Ryan C. Scott 1981. You can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Just look up Ryan Scott. I'm on Insta, Ryan C. Scott 1981, I believe. Um, other than that, I don't know. Say, speak my name three times and I might show up. Um, but thank you for what you're doing in the edges fair, Lindsay. Ryan, thank you for all that you're doing to elevate educator voice. Again, we greatly appreciate you. 
Thank you. And thank you that is listening. We appreciate you. Um, until next time, like my big John Janoski, my grandpa, who was the best grandpa anybody ever had, would always tell me, Ryan, until next time, I will see you in the fun paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So... Let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.